Welcome to another edition of Sutton Like That, episode 86. In this episode, I will be discussing the movie They Clone Tyrone. Listen, it's one that I really enjoyed. But without further ado, here's the podcast. Tell me what you think, like, and subscribe, and also answer the question under each episode. See you soon. Welcome to episode 86 of Sutton Like That. I appreciate you for tuning in so, so much. Just know I appreciate y'all. Thank you, everybody that's tuned in right now on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast listening on. Now, this episode, it won't be long. Maybe it will be. But I want to discuss and review the movie They Clone Tyrone. Now, I want to say... At first, I was skeptical. I was like, eh, seeing the preview, it looked like a black exploitation movie. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, that is the premise. Now, listen, this is spoiler alert. I don't want to tell um, too much of the movie, but I will be sharing some details. So if you are you know, going to watch the movie, you haven't seen it, don't listen to this until after you watch the movie so i'm just gonna leave it at that but i will say that the movie was really a good it really good if i had to give a rating out of 10 i would give it a solid 8.9 um i mean it was some goofy parts in there and it was like eh, i see where you're trying to go wasn't my thing but the overall message is one that I really enjoyed. It was the it was a mixture between Dave Chappelle satire and the Boondock satire. Like it was a real life Boondocks it seemed like to you know talk about how a lot of issues in the black community um you know come from a product or from the man if you will and how it kind of lends to this image that you know, black people, as long as you do something to make us happy, then we will do whatever you say. And so when we talk about, I know for me, right, I have a good friend. I won't say his name. Maybe he don't want to be said, you know, he don't want his name said. But when we talk about a lot of these, you know, movies and shows, we like, listen, this stuff that they're doing, you know, in these movies and shows, it's really a... A, a concept of that some of this could be right and then when you think about how you know in the inner city our food is usually the worst food um when you're talking about our education when you talk about our consumerism um and we are consumers to the max um one thing that i want to say is and i'm gonna stop saying um one thing i'm gonna say is when you when you when you're talking about being a consumer, being a consumer is also wanting people to know that you are consuming things and look at my life. And that's what I think that a lot of black people we do at times. We said, look at me, look at who we are. But that's just how we've been. You know, black people, we are 
very proud of where we come from because we work hard for our stuff. So, you know, you want people to see what you got. You want to be able to look at, hey, look at me, man. Look, at, if I could make it, so can you. One thing, you know, they had a, they had a, a section in the movie where they were talking about this, this chicken, that damn good chicken. And uh, um, I thought about KFC and Popeye, especially Popeye's, because when that chicken sandwich came out in 2020, during the COVID pandemic, you're supposed to be inside. You're supposed to be you know, separating yourself from everybody because you don't want to catch this you know, virus that no one knew at the time about. Everybody was kind of wondering what it will bring. But you had people going crazy over this chicken sandwich. And of course they were showing the majority of them were black. You know, KFC has been synonymous with being the black chicken spot of America. And, you know, you saw people standing in these crazy lines. You saw people arguing with people. I mean, damn, I think somebody got stabbed over a Popeye's chicken sandwich. So, the movie does a good job of playing to that and how chicken that people love, black people love, you know, what is in the chicken that makes us love this thing? And it did a good job of talking about what they put in the chicken, how they, you know, make sure that we stay eating these products. Um, along with the chicken was the grape drink. Now, listen, black people, we love grape soda, uh, grape drink as they call it, you know, um, but it was, it was funny and it was sad at the same time to be like, damn, to see these stereotypes in your face, right? Just to, to see that, damn, yo, this chicken does keep us down. And for me, I love chicken, so I, I'm not ashamed to say it, but you see a lot of people who eat chicken because one, it's in the heart of the hood. I think when you look at any fast food place, it's more accessible to black people and to people in the inner city than a Whole Foods and a Trader Joe's or any organic, you know, supermarket. And a lot of the supermarkets that they have, I mean, the products aren't that good necessary. You know what I mean? Like they don't stock it with things that people can eat to be healthy. You know, it's, it's the, it's more of a quick fits. And then also in the supermarket, there is a price hike up during the first through the fifth um, because that's when you people usually get their money and their food stamps to buy these products. So that's another thing that you saw. It's like how black people kind of, you know, are are taken aback and how again, not only black people, but how is the propaganda's push? You know, it also talked about the music, which you know, me and a few people we talk about. You know, and I'm not one of these old heads. Like music now is horrible. You know, listen, every genre has his has his time, and you know, some come and go. Um, some come back and it's just what you prefer to listen to. But they had this song and it would make black people, you know, get into the trance. It would make them sleepy. And it's a lot of songs that I hear on a radio. And I'm like, yo, what are they talking about? It literally has no substance. You just hear a whole bunch of humming. Da, 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 and it has this very melodic tempo. And it's like a slow um, kind of sad melodic tempo. And then, you know, you have also artists talking about suicide a lot, especially, you know, some of these new artists that came out within the past eight years or so. So that was highlighted 
in the movie, but also it's highlighted in stuff that I've been talking to people. I'm like, yo, who can listen to these songs? So then when you have, you know, the suicide rate inside the African-American community, you know, probably double within the last 10 years in what we've seen, you know, it's a culmination of these things that are played out in this movie. And I thought it was very poignant that they, you know, talk about having, you know, these songs that, you know, just drive black people crazy. You know, black people listen to these songs and they just go into a trance. And then the the people that were ahead of these DJing, you know, people that were, you know, kind of, you know, orchestrating this were like white, but they had like frozen, you know, so... It, it it was kind of masking like, oh, okay, well, I'm not scared of you because, you know, you're white, but you look kind of like me and you understand me. But then it's like, are you trying to understand me or are you just kind of like a, you know, vulture, culture vulture? And it talks about that, too. It was just so much to unpack. And being that it was a lot to unpack, I'm watching the movie and I had to, like, stop and be like, yo, this is this is really, you know, reminiscent. And 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 really real of what's going on, especially the liquor store, especially the wino that's in front of the liquor store. He's giving out this knowledge. And if you don't know, usually there's some wino, there's some guy that's in front of the liquor store and he has these kind of um, Armageddon apocalyptic, you know, takes. And people are like, oh, man, be quiet, James. You know, I'm just using the name. James, you crazy, man. You ain't saying that. You, you just on that drink. But James been saying a lot of these stuff, a lot of these things that we've been ignoring for years because it's James, you know, like who want to listen to James? James is nobody, but James is telling the truth. You know, James is saying stuff that we need to really listen to and hear because, you know, we, we are in a time where it is stuff in this beer. It is stuff in our food that's affecting us. There is stuff that we consume. There is stuff that we eat in which we become accustomed to that is affecting us daily. And people don't realize it. And sometimes it's in plain sight. You know, like I love the part where um, Fontaine, that's the main character, you know, he's coming out and every day he's playing a scratch off. Right. And it says you lose, you lose, you lose. And again, that is so mirroring of what you see in the black community of, OK, listen, I'm going to make you rich. How can we get rich playing a lot? Um, and a lot of times we talk to black people or especially older black people. Um, who play lotto, even, I don't want to say just older black people, because I know people at my age that play lotto, and I mean, I'm getting of that age now, um, who their thing is, yeah, well, when I hit the lotto, I'm going to do this. You know, if I hit the lotto, I'm going here. If I hit the lotto, you know, I'm I'm going to be straight. And then when they win, or they, you know, or what they call it, when they hit, it's like, yay, I made it. But when you really jot down all of the information and the money that you spent you're just getting that right back for the whole year but again that's another trap that was set i mean again if you look at any inner city there's a corner store and there's always a lottery system you know the lottery systems build the world and i'm not saying black people are only people that play lotto no because white people play it too but it's conveniently strategically placed in a lot of inner city corner stores. I mean, you know, white people, I won't say white people. Let me let me let me rephrase that cuz there's a lot of black people that live in suburb areas. 
in suburb areas, you know, you have your stores, but lottery is not very prevalent. You know, you have to go out to go find these lottery vendors and, you know, and if they are in the a store or so, like that store or so, it's so low-key that you got to know that they're there because, again, they're they only attracting certain people. But when you're talking about the inner city, it's a wide open hub. You know, you can come there, you can, you know, kind of do what you want to do, if you will, because, you know, quote unquote, black people don't know much, which is far from the truth at all. So underneath this city is like this laboratory where they have experiments. And again, it seemed far fetched, but when you look at how we are programmed, what we're watching with the media, even social media. I was watching something about, um, you know, how Russia hacked into these emails and, you know, putting propaganda like that stuff is real. And that stuff has been happening. But I think that it was a big deal when it happened to the United States of America, particularly in the white culture, because it was it was a huge thing. But these things have been happening in the inner city for so long that people forget you know we think about cops and what the cops represent you know the police and what they represent in the inner city like most cops i'm sure the majority of cops um you know that are patrolling these inner cities don't live in the inner city at all they probably don't even live in the next town over or next city but you know again they come here they make a living and they're out in my you know home city uh, New Haven, they have what's called a New Haven Promise. Basically, if you've been going to a New Haven school from kindergarten through 12th grade, then, you know, you get a portion of a scholarship or, you know, in-state schools are free for you. You know, so so there's an incentive to go to a New Haven uh, city school, which is, again, uh, urban place. Now, growing up in the 80s and 90s and 2000s when I was in school, um, a lot of people didn't want to send their kids to New Haven. They would dare send their kids to New, to New Haven school. Like, oh, no, it's bad. And why would you want to do that? You had people who were busting their kids out of New Haven because the school systems weren't that adequate. But by, I'll say, 2098 to 2000, that's when they started the renovation of the school. They got like a billion dollar you know, a grant to build and um, rebuild some schools over. And also with that, it was the curriculum in which they taught. It was also, you know, trying to be ahead of the curve in far as technology and have dated books and not outdated books. Because I can remember, shoot, 1996, reading a book and, you know, you're looking for your parents or someone that you know that, you know, went to that school. And and, and unfortunately, you will see those names, 1978, you know. Um, when you look at 95 to 78, it's not a far, you know, a long time, but it seems far. But when you're looking at technology and reading of the school books, that's a long time. You know, you see stuff from 75 or even 85 and it's 1995. It's like, wow, how far along are we or how far behind, you know, have we fallen? So once the New Haven Promise came, it was an influx of kids from, you know, the valley uh, from the suburbs who now wanted to go to New Haven schools because there was this incentive. And you had certain schools in New Haven, like Worthington Hooker, which is called Hooker, um, Jepson, uh, what other schools that they did they have. Um, those schools that I could think of now, 
and it's like one more Bishop E. Woods. So, you know, you have those schools and, you know, other schools, uh, um, Nathan Hale. So those are schools that were in New Haven, but like kind of like not in the city area of New Haven. They were kind of like on the outskirts of New Haven. And, you know, those schools were considered, I'll be honest, like the white schools, because, again, the majority of the kids that went there were white. So these schools were better equipped with technology, books, uh, education, um, you know, the teachers and what they were learning. So it was, it was, it was just, it was a lot better. And then once this New Haven Promise came, you know, these now New Haven, like, well, if we want to keep these kids, we're going to have to educate them better. So in, in doing so, you know, it, it was these kids that would have never stepped foot in New Haven school, let alone New Haven. But because, you know, that now they can get a scholarship, they can, you know, benefit from it. Now it's like, okay. Let's go to New Haven schools. Um, one good thing that I would say that came out of it was kids that were in the inner city had a chance to get a better education as well. You know, because because of this, you know, you had kids who can, you know, learn and weren't behind. Or if they were behind, you know, they, they can, you know, get you know help because now we got the resources. And not just stuffing them in the basement, giving them a ditto and saying, hey, do this work. You know, you'll make it. But now New Haven now New Haven Promise is so synonymous with New Haven schools that people don't even think about it. I'm sorry I got cut off. Um so a lot of people don't even they don't they don't, they don't even think about, you know, what New Haven was, you know, and you now you got teachers and you got Yale here. So, you know, when you got people that are coming from different places, they're like, Oh, this is New Haven, this is the home of Yale. So it's a different mantra. It's also a different environment in which I was raised, which is good because I don't want everything to stay the same. But also you can see how when you're talking about what, you know, the society sees as successful versus what the people in that area see as successful is two totally different things. And also what what they want to do to help and what they ain't going to do to help. And that's what you see in New Haven. So watching that and they clone Tyrone, you know, you're seeing how it's infiltrated. You're seeing how many liquor stores, you're seeing how many churches. Now, forewarning, I am spiritual. I don't go to church, but I will frequent a church because a lot of my moral compasses come from religion. You know, I was raised in a uh, Baptist non-denominational type of, you know, environment. So a lot of what is being taught or what's said in the Bible, I agree with like, you know, you know, treat everybody nice and, you know, um, you know, just, just keep pressing on. But as you start to, you know, break down a Bible, it's so many interpretations of the Bible one in different religion. I mean, I'm sorry, different languages. And so when you, dissect the bible and put it back in it's totally different and then not only that but you have different denominations and which and how they interpret the bible right so then within that you know those different denominations you have different people within those denominations who teach it differently and then you have people within those denominations that teach it differently, teach it differently according to the area in which they live. 
So this big umbrella gets broken down to a skittle, and it's not anything in which it was meant to be. So I'm not gonna get on that today. I'll you know talk about Jesus and religion and how he was so against it. But you know that's that's just you know my perspective here, my opinion. But you saw how religion was used in the movie, and I'm sitting there like, wow, you know, like wow. And not to downplay anyone who is religious at all. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm talking about people that are religious and not thinkers who don't question. And then the Bible is talking about question everything. You know what I mean? Like you have to question everything. But I think that some people get so focused, and I'm talking white people too, right? They get so focused in, well, I gotta listen to what the pastors say because they write, they know everything. No, everyone is a human and we have human flaws. So it's easier to kind of like manipulate the Bible and religion because, you know, a lot of people feel that if I go against what's being said, then I'm going to automatically get crucified and go to hell, which is far from the truth. You know, if, again, if you read the Bible and, and this interpretation, you are supposed to question everything and ask and become a better person. You know, um, some people say that, that the Bible stands for the basic instrument of basic life experiences. Um, again, you interpret that the way you want to. Some people are going to say different ways, but I agree. You know, like there, everything that we do in life, like there's always an instrument that we could use to help us, you know, become better people. And I think that the Bible is doing that for a lot of people. And if you read it in the way it's supposed to be read and interpreted, you will be sadly mistaken for the way a lot of us live our lives. You'll be like, wow, I'm not supposed to be, you know, judging or I'm supposed to be doing this. And that is not a big of a sin that we thought it was. And this is technically a sin because I'm going against the universal law of treating people like, you know, good people. So in the church scene, I just I just thought it was really ironic in how they had the purple drink, you know, as the communion, um, you know, drink as Jesus blood. But also inside the church is where they hid the lavatory. And that was a message of how in church is always a hidden agenda in a lot of these churches to get people to listen. And if you want to control people, you know, you control what they eat, you control their music and you control their religion. And then a lot of that is true for a lot of people, black, white, green, yellow. And that's how you control people. So the movie did a good job of making you really think, man. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's really sad because, you know, in the black community, it's like, damn, you know, um, the cloning part, meaning like you are me, but just in a different city. So we're going through the same thing, but how can we all come together and, you know, combat this? And the movie did a good job of saying, hey, as a neighborhood, as a people, we have to come together because the black community, which and I hope when people hear this, they continue listening to this part. The reason that the African-American community is under attack is because we have so much power that if we wanted to shut something down, we could. That's why we are so much under attack every day because of the power that we possess whether it be as a consumer whether it be as a leader whether it be as an entertainer we have a lot of power and as soon as we can understand that and come together we can do a lot of work but we also have to understand that 
you know, whenever you're questioning a motive of your fellow, you know, black person, you're not saying that they're wrong, but it's like, hey, let me just ask this question. I just, I just want to know, you know, and, and if someone asks you a question, help them understand, you know, when you've been hurt so much, you, a lot of stuff that you see, it is a trap, you know, and again, what better way to set a trap than to send someone that looks just like you. You know, I'm going to send someone that looks just like you to do a job that I want to do hint, hint, in the movie because you're not going to expect it. You're not going to see it coming. You know, if I, you know, have someone sell drug that look like you, how suspicious are you? Not really suspicious because you know this person, you know that they're just trying to make a dollar. You know what situation they've been through. So the optics are there. And you have to be very cautious of who you're letting in, but also educating why you're doing that. And a lot of people have to understand when you're looking from the outside in, like stop saying everybody is hating on you or, or, or stop saying that, you know, this brother man trying to take you down. No, you know, first find out what's going on. Maybe he is because, you know, again, they're going to have some people that are in a situation of financial and that's, that that's how it's always been even before money you know when it was the bartering and of shillings and stuff you know again if 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 i can have something that's yeah uh, um you know so-called monetary that's going to put me over you of course i need that because it's going to help my you know standard of living and that's what they go after so understanding that you know but we have to come together as a people, man. And like, it, it's, it's going to take time. It, it's not, it's not going to be overnight. You know, it's a lot of distrust within our community because of, you know, what we've done to each other. But it's also, you know, understanding that, you know, there's going to be some pitfalls. There's going to be some people that's going to try to stop us. And we just got to keep going. You know, we just can't look at the first black person and say, oh, you're just trying to hate on me. Um, I, I'm not listening to what you're saying. Let me go do my thing. Now, nah, Listen. You know, how can we work together? Okay, well, listen, you go over here, work here. I'm going to work over here. But at the end of the day, let's come together as a network. Let's try to, you know, work this out. But in any society, again, I hate people look, make it look like it's a black thing because in white pe in white societies, look at the mafia. You know, when they got, you know, five families and these families can't even get along again because of, you know, power. Power is very you know, addictive power, you know, gives you things that you need. So when you have power, you can do what you want to do. So that's why people are so struck on it. But it, it, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a good reminder in the community that when black people, when we come together, we are mighty as a fist and we have to start, you know, using that and come together. And I hope that we can, you know, come together more often besides just, you know, funerals and, you know, sad events, but, you know, come together. And I was telling my wife, within the past, I'll say two years, I've been to more weddings than I've been to funerals in forever. The last funeral I've been to was, I can't, uh, 2021. And I'm going to one Saturday, unfortunately. But I've been to more weddings than funerals. Then I have two more weddings coming up. Um, I went to one last week. I got one coming up uh, at the end of August. Got the one coming up in the beginning of September. So it's a lot of weddings, a lot of good things that are going on, which I'm excited about. You got a lot of black people that are writing. So many great things that, 
you know, we should be outlining that a lot of people don't outline because, you know, we always look at the negative at times as people, not black people, but as people, we, we tend to vibe towards the negative because it's something to talk about, right? Like it gives you that power. Like I'm doing better than them because look at what they're doing. But in, that, in, in actuality, you know, you just kind of just being negative, you know, like look at life and people always ask me, you know, you too damn positive for me. Well, you know what? Because I realize in life, if I look at too much negative, I'm going to be sad. And I don't want to be sad. I, I, I really don't. I get it. You know, it's times where I, I'm going to be sad. But, like, I try to look at the positive of life because if I look at the positive of life, I'm going to literally take out the positive and leave a lot of the negatives. And I'm going to analyze the negative later and say, no, these are not worth it. But if I go for mainly negative in life, then what's going to happen is a lot of the negative I'm going to harbor and I'm going to make it negative. And guess what I'm going to do? Like a lot of people do, you look for negative. But if you try your best, and again, it's not the easiest thing, but if you try to look for the positive in life, then nine out of 10 times you're going to seek positive. You're going to see positive. And even in life, when you are having your losses, you're going to say, okay, these are lessons that I'm learning from. And that's how I operate in life. So into in in closing to wrap it up watching this movie man it was a reminder that you know our people have a lot of work to do but it's not impossible work I was talking to one of my dudes and you know we we were talking about you know the black men and the black family you know what that looked like how society tells you what you should be doing you know like there's societal norms that don't apply anymore like when it comes to cooking you know i have a friend who he cooks better than his wife but his wife she's successful and so is he but she feels that she should be cooking because she's a woman no it's okay you know because when i got into a relationship i told my lady listen i can cook some stuff but i'm not a great cook and i don't enjoy it like it'll take me hours to cook to cook a meal that should be done in 15 minutes because i'll just take my time because i'm not a cook i don't know how to cook fast you know but you know, certain things that she does that I can't do or I don't like to do and vice versa. But when you're talking about, you know, a structure of, hey, you do this and I do that. That's called teamwork and helping. And the reason why a lot of black families work back in the day, because it started in the home. You know, like the structure of black people like, hey, this is the morals that we have. And when we go out there, hey, what do you what is your morals? Oh, these are mine. Oh, these are mine. OK, let's work together. And that's how it was. And I think that it's starting to go back to that. I think a lot of black people are starting to do more activity. I'm starting to see a lot of positivity in my community where there's, you know, these events uh, for people to come together, which are so good. Um, but again, it's not being broadcasted, but, you know, these things have to be talked about amongst people in the house. Because now when it happens next year, you want it to be elevated. You want it to be supported by, you know, just more than the people that went last year, but by more people in different cities, different towns, different states, and, you know, coming together. So this movie really resonated for me and how, you know, the world has, and especially America has a hold on the black communities, especially the poor black communities. Um, and we had to acknowledge that. And, but in order for us to acknowledge that we have to look at ourselves and say, Hey, this is what I'm going to change. And by changing that, I'm going to change, you know, myself 
and I'm going to change my community to make it a better place. So good movie, good message, hard pill to swallow at times. I would not lie. Um, it was, it was, it was very hard to swallow, but I think it was needed. I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you're drinking Kool-Aid, it's not always, you know, the best for you, but it's good. It's refreshing. You know, you can't drink it every day, but sometimes you got to have that harsh reality of life hit you. And I think that this movie did a phenomenal job of having harsh reality, you know, hit you, but there's a positive message at the end about community. So with that being said, thank you again. I appreciate y'all. If you made it this far, please hit that like and subscribe. Please, please, please also answer the question at the end of each podcast. So till we meet again, you have a wonderful day. Thanks again. Something like that podcast. Take care.